shining a light on autism and life on the spectrum. Welcome to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism. And now, here's your neurologically different host, Orion Kelly. Thanks for listening to My Friend Autism. I'm Orion Kelly, and I'm autistic. But what's critical to understand is that I'm just one person on the autism spectrum. So if you've met one person on the spectrum, you've met one person on the spectrum. No two autistic people are the same. We have individual challenges and gifts. My purpose is to empower you with knowledge, education, and growth opportunities through open, honest, and engaging conversations on autism. This podcast seeks to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while providing real-life insights into life on the spectrum. My aim is to have open conversations that inform and engage and ultimately make the world a better place for autistic people. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Online at orionkelly.com.au My guest on this episode is Erica Gleeson founder and clinical director of Autism Swim. Erica, thank you so much for joining me. Not a problem. So happy to be here with you. Before we get to Autism Swim, I'd love you to tell me a bit about you and your story, your background, and obviously then your role at Autism Swim. Could you tell us a bit about you? I can, indeed. Um, So my background is as a senior behaviour specialist. So um, my whole career has been in, in the world of autism and, and other abilities, and I specifically worked with people who had quite complex behavior challenges. So that might be physical aggression, self-injury, outburst behavior. There's a whole range of, of options there that people could have presented with, and my job was to support them and people in their lives with that and, and try and help them with that. And so probably about five years ago, I was working with a professor late one night and stumbled across the drowning statistics for those with autism. And that is specifically that they are 160 times more likely to drown than their peers. And I initially thought that was a typo because having worked in the industry my whole career, I had never heard of that. And started to chat with people around me. Nobody knew of this and I delved a little bit deeper. I did a lot of research into it and it came to be that that is the case. That, that statistic does ring true, um, but very few people know about it. So I became really desperate for the individuals that I was working with to engage in swimming services because they would actually be in the significantly high-risk category for drowning. And when I went and had a chat with a lot of the local swim centres, uh, none of them were prepared to take on these individuals. I was saying, look, we've had failure after failure. Um, in this particular area. It's not what we do well. If somebody needs you as a senior behaviour specialist in their life, then we're certainly not equipped to support them. So unfortunately, we we can't provide services to those that you're working with. And that was just a devastating blow and something that I thought was just really not okay in this day and age. And so I offered to give them free training and resources and support in order to be able to cater to, to varying needs. 
And that was received well. They really felt like if they could have some support and some training, then they were better geared to to provide services. And so I started doing that pro bono and didn't quite realize how needed this was around Australia. So we very quickly spread around Australia and now we're in 12 countries. So it it is apparent that it's actually an international concern as well and that people are really needing some help with this to, to do it well. So I guess as a result, Autism Swim was sort of accidentally born. Which is an amazing story and it's it just shows so many things can slip through cracks when it comes to different types mm. of, you know, not only disabilities but different types of abilities. From my point of view, from a personal point of view, I was diagnosed um, autistic as an adult. So though we all know um, that I was, that means I was born autistic. I just wasn't diagnosed as a child. And I can tell you from a personal experience, I'm, I'm the oldest of five kids. My dad was a surf lifesaver. You know, he was a great, he was obviously clearly a good swimmer. Uh, My mom athletic. And the one thing I remember about swimming and, and my childhood was number one, they, they always stuck at it with regards to me going to swimming lessons, but um, mm. all, all I think about when I think, even now as a grown man, I just sheer horror in fills my body. When I think about swimming lessons, um, mm. all I can remember was putting, doing anything I could do to get out. So maybe I'll pretend I'm shivering or I am shivering from pure anxiety. Um, and you know, I'll just, I'll be scared or cry or whatever. I just, for some reason, I, I couldn't do swimming lessons. I couldn't enjoy swimming lessons. School carnivals were like a nightmare for me. I just couldn't do it and I was I was horrible at it, which is really interesting because as an adult, I absolutely love the coast. I love the beach. I get in pools and swim. In, in effect, I've self-taught myself in a way where I can swim and have fun with my family. But, you know, if I'm, if, if I'm in trouble, clearly I'm probably going to – I'm assuming I'm going to drown. So mm-hmm. it's a really interesting story you tell because I can completely relate to it. I, I, I can't tell you why, but I, I have nothing but bad memories of childhood swimming lessons and I have nothing but bad memories – of any kind of pool interaction with, because you know when you're in primary school and they kind of make you go to school carnivals and they make you do swimming school yeah. carnivals. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, my goal isn't to be like an Olympian in the pool. I don't probably don't have to do this. I'm cool just to sit under the tree if, if that's okay. But mm. why, why do you think standard swimming lessons simply don't work for autistic children? Um, well, swimming instructors, generally speaking, know how to teach swimming. That doesn't mean that they know how the autistic brain learns or how to adapt that to a, to somebody who's dysregulated or who has behavior challenges or who learns in a specific way or who's a visual learner. So we all learn different, whether you have autism or not, and it's about being able to adapt your, your teaching styles accordingly. And that's what we help people with, which we help aquatic professionals with. So let's just say um, you as a a child went to swimming lessons and you'd had a really awful day at school and you were really dysregulated. And at the time, nobody really knew that because you didn't have a a diagnosis, but, and no one years ago would have really even known what dysregulated means. So you go to swimming lessons, you walk in the door, it's the most overstimulating environment possible. So it's echoey, there's splashing, there's smells like chlorine. It's just like the sensory experiences just almost feel like they slap you in the face sometimes. 
And then you go into a group environment with a teacher who is giving you instructions that you're finding difficult to process because they're giving them to you verbally and you learn visually. Um, Other children in the lesson are likely to set you off in certain ways. So it's just in some ways can be an absolute recipe for disaster in, in so many different realms. So we know that sort of the you can have the best instructor in, in the whole world, but if that environment isn't conducive to learning, then it's not going to go particularly well. So it's about the the marry up between environment and instruction, and it takes a bit of work to get those two things right. And only now do we probably have enough information in order to do that. Ten, twenty years ago, we certainly didn't, and there are a lot of adults like you who had almost you would consider it a a traumatic experience in terms of swimming lessons back in the day. And unfortunately, the thing that we hear too often is people saying, well, they just went really badly for me when I was a child. I'm actually a really bad swimmer now, but I've sort of missed the boat. I've just closed that chapter in my life and realized the water's just not for me. And I just hate, hate, hate hearing that because it's, it's never too late and people could have um, these transformed positive experiences like you've had, but it just takes um, it takes a bit of work and, and strategy in order to, to get there. So you've found what works for you and you've been able to push through those traumatic experiences, but that's, that works differently for everybody. So my hope is that, you know, it's not just children who engage in autism from approved lessons or, or providers, but it's adults as well who, who realize that it's never too late. And sure, you might not be the next Ian Thorpe, but that doesn't mean that you can't benefit from, you know, the therapeutic elements of the water or you can't learn key water safety skills or you can't learn to surf or whatever it might be. So it's not just about becoming a, a swimming athlete. In fact, that's very low on the priority list in terms of what Autism Swim does. Yeah, and I think that makes total sense. And and like you say, you know, I don't want to be uh, Thorpey, although he's an uh, an absolute legend. But what I you know, and I I guess only only an Aspie. You know, my I'm, I call myself an Aspie. Only an Aspie would say this. But if if plane goes down or a boat goes down, I'd like to think I'll live. And that's my goal. You know, my, my fear is I can swim in the pool with my family. And I can swim at the beach mm-hmm. with my family, but if a rip takes me out, I'm stuffed. Clearly, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I, I think it's extraordinarily valuable. And I know you talked about the kind of the glaringly, uh, you know, horrific uh, statistic of I think it was like 161, mm-hmm. uh, you know, times more likely. But can you kind of talk mm-hmm. through some of the risk factors for autistic people drowning? You know, mm-hmm. them being higher than others, and maybe share some of those risk factors and statistics. I'd love to hear a, a bit more of bit more in depth about that because it just sounds fascinating and it's almost I almost don't understand why <laughs> not many people do which is which is part of the issue and a part a huge part of what we do which is sort of community education and community awareness you were saying that if you got caught in a rip you you would struggle and you're not really sure how that would end well the reality is that that's the case for most people so there's an overarching awareness campaign that we have to run and for everybody that talks about just key safety elements, what to do in certain situations. The the scary thing for me has been realising how little the general community know about drowning and that they think that when somebody's drowning, they're going to be waving their arms up and down and calling out for help like TV and movies have, have told us happens, which 
actually doesn't happen. <laughs> Drowning is, in most cases, a, a deceptively quiet event. It's it's silent, and nobody's waving their arms up in the air and calling out for help because physiologically they're they're unable to do that. You can't lift your arms and you can't call out for help. So we have a huge job to do. Um, but in terms of those who have autism specifically, there are some increased risk factors as to why we get those um, percentages so much higher. Um, I'll, I'll run you through a couple of the key ones. So over 50% of people with autism wander. And what that means is that they leave the safety of their caregiver. And that might look like them bolting. And it could be them bolting away from something they find aversive or bolting towards something that they, they really want, like a local creek or river, for instance. Or there's a lot of people with autism who just sort of meander. They they pace because that helps them with their regulation or, or whatever the reason is that they might do it. But a lot of the time, they don't have a great awareness of space. And so they might think that they're really close to their support worker or their parent or their friend, but in fact, they're two kilometers down the road. Either way, those two things fall under the umbrella of wandering. And what we're seeing based on research is that more often than not, people are wandering and gravitating toward bodies of water. And we assume that's because they associate the water with alleviating a lot of their sensory needs. So they recall that the water makes them feel calm and happy and there's all the pressures of the world are off them the moment they're, they're underneath the water. So people with autism tend to wander and they tend to gravitate toward bodies of water when they do. However, when they get to those bodies of water, again, this is all generally speaking, because everybody's different, but they have a, a decreased ability to perceive risk and danger. So particularly for those who have an intellectual disability, and that is 75% of people with autism, they may not be yet able to process risks and dangers. And so they might get to the local river, for instance, and not start to think, hang on, I don't have an adult with me. There is debris on top of the water. There's a rapid. I actually don't know how deep that is. So all of these risks that often neurotypical children start to develop in time, that can be challenging for some of the people that we work with. And another really important factor there is that a lot of people with autism, in fact, aren't good swimmers. And that is because, A, they may have been excluded from services, like I mentioned at the beginning, so they're not actually engaged in, in any sort of aquatic service, or B, they might be, they may be going to swimming lessons, but swimming lessons aren't going well for them. They're either not making progress, they're being taught in the wrong ways, or similarly to your experiences, we're seeing a lot of behavior challenges, which are sort of escape responses. So the person doesn't want to be at swimming lessons because it's not going well, they're not having a good time, they're feeling overwhelmed, and therefore they may have a meltdown as an example, and therefore the lesson is over. So there, I mean, there's probably six or seven key areas, but they would probably be the top three. In, in summary, that's wandering, a decreased ability to perceive risk and danger, and the fact that notoriously people with autism are not as strong swimmers as their peers. Yeah, and I always try to make a point with the podcast to kind of personalise it if I can to give people you know examples or ideas and it helps people mm -hmm. that don't have autism. And from my point of view, I can relate to all three. Clearly... You know, we've, mm -hmm. we've, we've established, um, you know, 
I'm a crap swimmer because I never got the resources and the opportunities. And I, I was looking back now without a diagnosis. I was clearly um, sensory, you know, in sensory overload. We're going into a mm. swing, an indoor swimming pool, it's like someone putting you on a pot and putting a lid on top, you know. And as you say, I think even level one and level two autistic people have um, aren't as great with dangers and awareness. And mm. um, and I can relate to that. It's sometimes, you know, you can. You know how sometimes an you know, autistic child can take ages to warm up into touching the water, and then two minutes later, once they've warmed up, they're fifty meters out. You know like, what, what happened? You know, it's, it's, it's and, <laughs> and and I think the wandering thing too is I can relate to, and you know that's absolutely right. People hear wandering and they they take it literally, but as you say, I mean, <laughs> one second you're there, next second you're you know you're walking, running, or bolting to a different area of the beach because you wanted to see a bird or a different bit of water or a yeah. stick or, or a stick or a rock or a log or a shell or whatever it is, um, mm. and you, you don't actually realise people won't just be with you or where they've gone. And I mean, even as an adult, sometimes my wife will say, "We're not we're." wait, wait up, we're, we're not near you or we're, we're away. Or I, I turn around and like, mm-hmm. where'd they go? You know, you kind of, you, what, where, where'd my family go? <laughs> kind of thing. Oh. Um, so, you know, it, it's all very relatable and I can see how it ties in to something so, mm. so, so pleasurable, but also deadly <laughs> as, as swimming. So from your point of view, we've talked about kids, we've talked about adults, but maybe just mm. for the, you know, for parents listening, for people listening, who can participate in autism swim and can you kind of just give us a bit of an idea of of how it actually works because i guess parents are thinking well you know does it, is it one-on-one you know is it a special mm. teacher is it a special place is it at the place i go already Th- those kinds of questions yeah for sure so when i um spent those initial years doing a lot of research and understanding it well i realized that there wasn't one solution to this that's great that i provide training and, and resources and support to swimming instructors but just because you can swim doesn't mean you're not going to drown. Um, and that's, you know, a, a bit of a, a misconception in, in society as well. People think, oh, no, I'm, I can swim fairly proficiently. I'll, I'll be fine. So what we had to do as an organization was go through all of these risk factors um, and all of these issues that we identified and develop a solution to each one. So I guess our, our core business, if you will, is that, is the certification model. So we certify swimming instructors and aquatic therapists as autism swim approved. We're soon going to launch into surfing teachers and lifeguards as well. Awesome. The idea is that we equip them with training, resources, support, and ongoing consultancy so that they're better able to cater to different people's needs. So we don't deliver a set program and say this is what you need to follow because everybody's different and a set program isn't going to cater to everybody's needs. It's about how to assess what somebody's goals might be and how to work that in with the NDIS, for instance, how to look at your current teaching style and realize, hang on, maybe that doesn't work for everybody, how to look at your swim center and make environmental adaptations. So it's about ongoing support because we also know that you can attend the best training session you've ever been to, but research tells us you only retain that content for three months. So we like to drip feed content so that things come through that are regular and fresh and new to keep everybody engaged. So what happens is a a swimming instructor or, or therapist will become autism swim approved and be set up on our system. When they are certified, they then get listed on our website so that parents can find them. So there's a a locations finder on our website that means that 
wherever you are in the world, you go onto our website, you put in your suburb and your closest autism swim approved provider will come up. So that's the way that the certification model works and it's renewed every 12 months. But parents also need to be provided with support in this area. Um, they, they have a role to play in terms of understanding wandering and water safety and what they can be doing to accompany those swimming lessons and all those sorts of things. So we provide a wandering and drowning prevention toolkit to parents, which is available on our website. We also run workshops, which include CPR elements and things like that. As of next month, we're actually launching a free water safety app available for people with autism all over the world. So the idea is that whether or not you have an autism swim approved provider close to you, you can still start learning key water safety skills. So we've done it. It's mainly for children, but it's based on like an interactive social story model, right? Um, which is heavily supported in, in the literature that's been designed by clinicians and parents, and, and we've had input from adults with autism as well. So we're, we'll be uh, launching that up next month. And then we also run programs. So for instance, in Sydney, uh, we have a modified nippers program. So it means that people with all abilities can come and learn and participate in nippers in a way that's a little bit more person-centered than the, the mainstream nippers program. So we can work toward, okay, your individual goal is that you would like to put your face under the water. And that's a huge, huge goal, a huge accomplishment. So that's what we're going to work toward rather than just whatever the standard program is. So we have our fingers in a range of different pies, but um, we are the only certifying body in the world specific to autism and aquatics. So we feel a huge sense of responsibility to get it right, because if it's not us, it's it's nobody. So we work very hard. We, we deliver a range of different services, but we also feel so incredibly passionate about the fact that everybody should have the same opportunities to learn and be happy around the water. Which is incredibly important. And that ripples out towards actual education as well in general. I mean, this, it still, mm-hmm. it still seems like it's a, it's a battle for inclusion. And I'm talking purely, you know, autistic children. I think everyone's entitled to the opportunities that every other person is entitled to. And I, I'm, really, um, I'm really happy that Autism Swim is, is doing the work it's doing. So it sounds like it, it really is a, a phenomenal program and it's a, it's a growing program and it it's just sounds fantastic. And are there t- particular things about it so far that you, you're proud of from, from how the uh, program's been going? Um, I guess the, the milestones that mean a lot to me are probably not what would mean a lot to, to neurotypical people. Um, so, for instance, you know, a, a child being able to swim 50 minutes freestyle is great, but they're not the things that are most meaningful to me. So, when a swimmer puts their face under the water for the first time and that's taken three months, that is just mind-blowing stuff. Or, you know, we'll be at our nippers program and a child will be out in the water and standing up on a surfboard learning how to surf and the parent will be bawling their eyes out on the beach because they just never thought that day would happen. Yeah. So you, this, this journey has certainly taught me to just that, that the little things are in fact the big things and they're the things that mean the most. We just get overwhelmed with the feedback that we receive um, and it's it's just amazing. We, I mean, the, the a lot of the little ones that we work with in particular don't come up to take a breath. 
So they go under the water because it's their happy place. There are no demands placed on them. There are no noises. It's silent and it's wonderful. And that is so reinforcing that they don't know or, or they find it difficult to come up and take a breath. And therefore, they're purely reliant on other people to sort of reach down and, and bring them up when it's take a breath time. If somebody can learn that skill and learn, for instance, I only go underwater to count to three and then I come back up and take a breath, well, then that is one of the most important lessons in life that somebody can learn. Um, so these are the things that on a day-to-day basis we just get kicks out of because it's it's about making people's lives better. We understand that and it's about increasing quality of life and participation and inclusion and all these philosophies that are so incredibly important. But I think the thing that we're constantly reminded of is the work that we're doing actually saves lives as well. So the combination of those two things is is beyond rewarding. Yeah. And for those listening that uh, have no insight into autism and are listening to learn more, just so you know, when Erica says neurotypical, she's referring to people that don't have autism. Uh, And and I think another phrase was uh, social stories. That's like the mapping out of an activity or a task to help someone understand what's going to happen. So I just had to throw that out there, Erica, for people listening. So, and I think for autistic parents, sometimes it can be it can it can be really tricky when they'll go to a you know a swimming center environment you know and then all these neurotypical kids are just jumping into the pool going right under like fish and then you know you, you've been spending three months for your for your son to put his face in the water with goggles on so what you say it's true because sometimes you can fall into the trap of giving yourself neurotypical expectations or or even mm-hmm. expectations so what you say is is truly valuable and I hopefully um, parents with autistic kids hear this and understand, you know, hey, look, just take a breath. We, you know, you're, you're going to get there. It's okay. It'll happen in time. And all you've got to do is just forget about everyone else around you and run run your own kind of race, which it can be tricky, can't it, Erica, when you're sitting in a swim centre and every kid's jumping in the pool like a dolphin and your kid, you know, your kid takes 20 minutes to get in and then when they get in, it's 20 minutes to put their nose in the water. I mean, it, it can be... It's it's it can be it can be frustrating and the, this program is a real game changer. Yeah, I think so. That can be deflating for anybody, and it's it's good and well for people to say to you, "Don't worry, don't compare yourself to others." But as human beings, unfortunately, we do tend to do that. To the contrary, what I would say is, sure, your child might be taking a really long time to wear goggles or to get in the water, but perhaps that neurotypical child doesn't know every capital city in Australia like your child does. <laughs> or that there's something yeah. there's something that your child brings to the table that that child doesn't have, and it's just that we all progress at different rates in different exactly. areas of life, and it's just good to get to get in the zone um, well, absolutely. of of your world, really, and, exactly. and what's important. Exactly. Well, you know, your child jumps in the pool. You know, my child runs a day surgery at a daycare every day. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, they're, they're, we're all different. Okay, so from the, for the parents listening, just so we kind of can give them the, the a wrapping up of the whole program, what are, what are some of the important things you'd like parents to know about, about Autism Swim if they're listening right now? Um, I think maybe the main thing is reassurance that – we understand that swimming lessons might not be going well for you if you're not at an autism swim approved provider, but that don't don't have a defeatist attitude about that because we do exist now. Um, help is available. There are options. We want to help. We want that experience to be great and don't feel like you're never going to get there. 
It might not be the case that you're going to make huge progress under the current circumstances, but we can work with you in terms of making some adaptations, giving you some tips, pointing you in a different direction of, a, of an approved service provider, and you will get there. With, with the right environment and instructor combination, you will get there because we work with hundreds and in fact thousands of families that are in the same boat and are now um, are now jumping for joy. So just to the same thing with the, the wandering and, and drowning prevention as a whole, research tells us that that is the number one concern of parents of children with autism. That's their, their biggest fear. And until recently, there hasn't really been a whole lot of support there for that specific area, but now there is. So I guess that the take-home is quite is quite positive in that we understand the struggles, we, we know them well, and we have developed solutions to those struggles and that we want to be able to help. So if parents would like that, then the, the easiest thing to do would be to go onto our website, which is www.autismswim.com.au. All of our information is on there. There's also a contact us tab if, if there are specific questions or something that parents need that isn't listed on our website. But we're, we're super passionate about what we do and we're keen to help in any ways that we can. And really important for parents to know too that you probably don't have to travel very far or even leave your current swim centre. So it's really important to look into it, go to the web, the Autism Swim website and actually check it out. Which Because I think, you know, we don't want them to think, oh my God, I've got to travel 100Ks for this when in fact it's, it could actually be in their own town, in their own centre. Yeah, that's exactly right. So let's just say a, a parent goes onto our website to find their closest autism swim approved provider and it is the case that the closest one is 50 or 100 kilometres away and obviously that's not doable. What we would love is if parents could tell us who their local swim centre is and therefore we will contact them to see if they're interested and suitable in becoming autism swim approved. As long as we know what the local swim centre is, we can we can initiate that conversation so that parents don't have to travel too far. It's just a fantastic initiative. I I'm, I just love it, and I think it's I, I'm so grateful it exists, and I think it's going to change lives. It's fantastic, Erica. Thank you so much for your fantastic uh, input and information. I really do appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks so much for your support and your interest, and I think what you're doing is is equally as wonderful. My guest was Erica Gleason, the founder and clinical director at Autism Swim. <laughs> My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Join the conversation now at the Orion Kelly Facebook page. Thank you so much for listening to My Friend Autism. I really do appreciate it. And if the episode has resonated with you, please share it with your family and friends so we can reach more people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, suggest a topic or area of autism to explore or just say hi, you can email me, orionkelly at gmail.com, like the Orion Kelly Facebook page or send me a message via my website, orionkelly.com.au. That's O-R-I-O-N-K-E-L-L-Y.com.au. This podcast is here to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while providing real insights into life on the spectrum. Together, we can make the world a better place for autistic people. And remember, once you've met one person on the spectrum, you've met one person on the spectrum. All I'm asking for is you to open your hearts and minds to people a little bit different to you and embrace the benefits of neurodiversity. Until next time, thanks for opening your mind and embracing differences. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. 
To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and never miss an episode. Like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook or visit orionkelly.com.au.